Hello there, Alaskans, wherever you are. Welcome to the Must Read Alaska Show, coming to you from somewhere in Alaska. This is the place where we talk about, you guessed it, Alaska, where we keep the mainstream media on their toes and where we are standing up for what's right and a world run by leftists. You can find out more by heading over to mustreadalaska.com and also checking out the Must Read Alaska YouTube channel for some really great content. But first, let's get this party started. What's good, Alaska? This is Scott Levesque, and you're listening to the Thursday edition of the Must Read Alaska podcast. I want to welcome you all, and if you've got a moment, go ahead over to iTunes, give us a five-star rating, and also, if you can, throw us a written rating as well. It really helps the podcast out, and we just appreciate our listeners, just like you, doing what you do, which is downloading the podcast and listening to the content we push out on a weekly basis. So thank you, and again, head over to iTunes, give us a five-star rating, and why don't you go ahead and fill out one of those written reviews as well, because it all helps must read Alaska. Well, hey, I am over COVID. Last week, I don't know if you could tell or not, but I was under the weather. I was in quarantine in my house and I was dealing with the COVID virus. And I am now on the other end, thankfully. And I can tell you it was a wild experience. Thankfully, I did not get the super bug COVID that has knocked people out day and night. For me, it was mostly at night when my body was finally relaxing and I wasn't running around with my kids and trying to take them here and to and fro. So uh, I am back and it feels great. I feel re-energized and it was a wild experience to get COVID-19. However, what I want to talk about and I want to transition this is what COVID-19 has done and possibly the ramifications of it in this year's election. And one of the ramifications and one of the things that on Must Read Alaska you got to read is Suzanne Downing wrote about how possibly the high court meddling in the 2020 election could have flipped the House seat in District 27. Now, District 27 is where Lance Pruitt uh, was the rep, and he was going against Liz Snyder in this election cycle. Again, this is the second time they met. It was a hotly contested uh, district house seat, uh, well over $700,000 spent in this single house seat alone, which was an exorbitant amount of number, and quite, I believe it is now, the next banner it has, been, has set the benchmark for how much money could be spent in a house seat in Alaska, which is insane. It's absolutely insane. So this year, uh, I was Lance Pruitt again against Liz Snyder, and Lance came out of the gate strong. There was a great showing for Lance on election day, and some of the uh, early voting came in, and, and it really held strong for Lance. And then we started counting, when I say we, the division of elections, started counting the absentee ballots. And that's where things sort of shifted for Lance. And what ended up happening as we sit right now is that Liz Snyder is leading in that House District 27 by 16 votes over Lance Pruitt, who's the incumbent. And one of the biggest questions and one of the biggest reasons why this was so shocking in in a level is because of how many absentee ballots were received in that district. It was amazing. So just to give you some perspective, okay, in 2016, there was about 819 mail-in ballots that were received for District 27 by the Division of Elections. And out of those 819, 25 of those ballots were rejected for, you know, whatever. We'll call them fatal deficiencies. 
This year, this year, there was 3,500, over 3,500 mail-in ballots were received and just 13 were rejected. Now, that is an acceptance rate by the Division of Elections of about 99.6%. The staggering number, the absolute crazy number, is the fact that it was almost, and again, I say almost, definitely five times the amount of mail-in ballots were received this year than in 2016. I mean, we're talking 819 in 2016, and this year over 3,500. That's insane. That is a, a such a sh- stark difference that it has to be noted. Not only that, but the reason why this was such a big deal is that the Alaska Supreme Court ruled that there was no witness needed to be able to uh, turn in a vote. And so generally what ends up happening is that you need a witness to signature, witness the signature on your ballot to ensure that that person knows that the person voting, the actual individual mailing in the ballot, is that person. It's, it's there to prevent fraud. This year, because of COVID-19, that was overturned. That was overturned, which I know we want to believe the best of people. We want to say that there's no fraud, there's nothing that happens, but the reality is it just it increases the ability for people to turn in fake ballots, turn in ballots that they shouldn't be turning in. It just It's a greater level of voter security that that creates this problem, okay? And the reality is, the reality is, is that I'm not so sure that that ruling was the best thing. I'm not so sure that it warranted that type of ruling, but thus here we are. And now Lance Pruitt, the incumbent, who is going to be the Speaker of the House, is looking at the losing end of this election, and it's it's just really, really, really interesting. The second part of this that's that's just crazy is that the reason why this was so so just starkly different is that there's a trickle down effect. And what I mean by that is this year we had a a just a crazy U.S. Senate race in Alaska. We had Al Gross who was who was spending money after I mean he had so much money against. Uh, Dan Sullivan, who won the seat, so he, Dan Sullivan, the incumbent, won. But the ramifications of the gross campaign, essentially, what it did is had a trickle down effect down the ballot, because there was there was people all around Anchorage and Fairbanks, and they were knocking on doors, and these were Al Gross paid people from the lower forty eight, and and we had, you know. People were telling us in Rusty, Alaska about people going to their houses. I personally had experienced it that were saying, hey, do not go to the ballot box. Get an absentee ballot. Vote that way. Pushing, 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 pushing. I remember the guy at the door with me. I was, I mean, I kept asking questions. And the bottom line for him was, hey, you you know, it was fear mongering. It was fear mongering. And and I said, dude, (laughs) you're barking up the wrong tree. I'm going to be at the ballot box. Don't worry about it. And But it was after a good 15-minute conversation and him trying to convince me that this, not only was COVID going to kill me if I went to the ballot box, but you should do a, a, an absentee ballot, you should vote Democrat, you should vote Al Gross, and you should vote Democrat down the board and get it in. And guess what? I'll help you. 
Well, if I'm one that got, and again, I, I w- it was shocking. It was shocking this person sitting at my door. And I've got a big smile on my face. So he probably left there thinking, why was that dude smiling? But I was smiling because it just goes to show you the game plan. And so when you have those people out there doing that, saying, hey, you should vote absentee. Don't go to the ballots. Vote down. And I'll come back and collect your vote for you. Again, ballot harvesting throughout these neighborhoods. I'm telling you, it's, it creates a trickle-down effect on the ballot. And this is where we're at now. Where Liz Snyder now is in the lead. She has effectively, at least at this moment, has won the race. I'm sure there's going to be a recount, hand recount. But the idea that you go from 100, excuse me, 819 mail-in ballots in 2016 to over 3,500 is just insane. And I get COVID. I get people were nervous. But that is absolutely, that's out of control. And so here we have it. We had a Supreme Court that made a decision that there was no longer a witness signature needed for ballots this year. Again, because of COVID-19. And then you have two massive races at the federal level with Al Gross and Elise Galvin and their campaigns going around, encouraging people to do absentee ballots, encouraging people, saying, hey, don't worry about even leaving your house. We'll collect them for you and we'll push them out for you. Ladies and gentlemen, we need to we need to get that changed. Ballot harvesting should be illegal in Alaska. It should be illegal. Now, we're looking at a House District 27 that has been flipped currently now for Liz Snyder. We'll see what comes of it. It's it, it really is shocking. The numbers are shocking and I get it. Listen, COVID affected a lot of people. I've been affected by COVID. My family's been affected by COVID. But the the nonsense that was going around in the summertime, in the summertime with with these Al Gross and Elise Galvin people going out and, and encouraging absentee ballot, um, people voting absentee, and then saying, hey, we'll pick them up for you. We'll gather them. You don't have to worry about it. That has a trickle-down effect, and we're seeing that right now. And there were other races that were affected as well. Some of them really changed the momentum of those races. But the one that we're really focusing on and the one that just seems to be uh, just a major turn of events here has been District 27 with the uh, incumbent Lance Pruitt just just going down by 16 votes to Liz Snyder. I mean, it just goes to show you not only does every vote count, but the, the massive trickle effect of a decision by the Supreme Court to not require... Uh, a, a witness signature, and then what that looks like when you have two campaigns going out there and actively encouraging people to vote absentee and then collecting those votes to turn them in as well. I mean, it really is shocking. Uh, what's even more shocking is the fact that, or or maybe it's not so shocking, is the fact that the Assembly here uh, this past week decided to extend the mayor's powers, emergency powers, not a big surprise. I know a lot of people were saying that the last time they talked about extending uh, emergency powers, uh, there was a quasi amendment in place by Crystal Kennedy that said, hey, during this time, we're going to look at offloading a lot of these emergency power responsibilities to our general everyday muni um, workflow. Well, Folks, that just goes to show you that it doesn't really matter what you put in amendments because they don't have to be followed. 
They don't have to be followed. They just extended the mayor's emergency powers. And one of the biggest questions that we had here at Musk Alaska was, did they actually do it legitimately? Did they actually do it legitimately? So on Tuesday, uh, what they decided to do was to extend the emergency powers until January 15th. Okay, January 15th. And so what that really means is our, our non-elected fill-in mayor has the ability to make decisions in the municipality that affect all of us. Austin Quinn Davidson, the acting mayor, now has the same authority that the mayor that was voted in, that is no longer in power, Ethan Berkowitz, had. That is frightening. That is frightening. The problem is, is that when you look at the municipality charter, one of the biggest questions we had is, did they have enough votes to actually extend that? So the charter is very clear. If you go to Article 2 of the charter and you go to Section 12, it says this, the right of immunity for emergency ordinances, unless adopted by affirmative votes of all members present in voting, or three-fourths of the total membership. So the key there is the three-fourths of the total membership. And so what that really means is, is that they need eight votes because Austin Quinn Davidson is no longer on the the assembly anymore and they're just kind of leaving her seat out there uh, because she's the acting mayor. So they needed eight votes. What they got was seven. What they got was seven. The three individuals who voted against it were John... Weddleton, Crystal Kennedy, and Jamie Allard. So it was a seven to three vote. The problem is they need eight, according to the charter. Now, apparently that doesn't matter because they moved forward with it anyways. But they needed eight. And this is a theme that we're seeing right now. We're seeing this theme played out in this assembly, which is it doesn't matter what the law says. It doesn't matter what the charter says. It matters what we say. And you're starting to see a lot of pushback on this, more so than ever. And I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that you guys are just irritated. You're done. And I don't blame you. You're done with the draconian, the very Machiavellian moves that are being made by this assembly and by extension, this administration. Because let's be honest, nobody left the administration other than Berkowitz. So every key player is still in there with the exception of the new acting mayor. And right now, They're doing things the way that they want to do, regardless of actually following what the charter says. And even when they are following some of those, quote, charter rules, they're using such a narrow scope. And we talked about this last week when it comes to the the mini attorney, Vogel. I mean, she has used such a narrow scope when we've been talking about uh, the recall efforts. It's It's been incredible. And so here we are again. Emergency powers have been extended to January 15th through the the new year. And what we have now is another display of just outright disregard for what the law says. So what does that truly mean? And and here's the thing. Here's why this is important. Okay. Must Read Alaska just broke this news this afternoon. Sources are telling us that the mayor is going to shut down Anchorage restaurants again. 
I'm not talking like capacity limits. I'm not talking, I'm talking takeout only. Or the ironic thing is, or outdoor seating in negative 10 weather. What we're being told is that Austin Quinn Davidson, who's the acting mayor, is going to be shutting down restaurants for 28 days starting this coming Monday. That takes us through Christmas. That's why the fact that they didn't follow the charter is so important because now Austin Quinn Davidson has this power and she's now going to shut down all restaurants. Now, our sources tell us is that they actually met, now this is Austin Quinn Davidson, actually met with the Alaska Cabaret Hotel Restaurant and Retails Association, otherwise known as CHAR, and said to them, listen, here's what we're going to do. We are going to shut down all restaurants from doing any dine-in service for the next 28 days. That's four weeks, people. They're going to shut down restaurants for a month. Now, she gave them enough time to be able to get all their overhead as much as possible out of the way. But I'm going to tell you this right now, and mark my words, this is going to have a devastating impact because this is now the third time that we are shutting down restaurants completely from having any dining service. And I'm going to let you know, your restaurants are not going to survive. You better kiss them goodbye. A lot of these restaurants are going to be shutting down for good. At the most critical time of the year, they're going to be shutting down for good. That's it. It's over. Dunzo. They're going to be shutting down, no longer opening after 28 days because they economically, financially can't afford to reopen. They just can't afford to reopen. On top of that, making matters even worse is the fact that now, Restaurants are going to have to lay off staff again because they're not going to need a full staff. If they're just allowed to do takeout, they're not going to need a full staff. So there you go with another dramatic decrease in the workforce population in terms of job availability. It's done. This is going to have a devastating impact. It's going to have a devastating impact. Keep in mind, Keep in mind that a lot of these restaurants and hotels and so forth and so on thrive not just with the local population, but those coming in as tourists. And we're not seeing a lot of that in Alaska. I don't know about you, but I'm not seeing a lot of tourists. And especially now in the wintertime, it gets even worse. Not to mention the holidays are coming up. This is going to have a devastating ramification. And this trickles out just beyond the economic ramification of what's going on. We're talking mental health. I mean, we pretend. That there's, a, there's, a, there's a pretension out there that this is not affecting people's mental health, their ability to, to process what's going on at the worst time to do so. This is the worst time to shut down. This is the worst time to take businesses off the line, off the shelf, and just align them with being able to do takeout and, quote, outdoor seating. The first restaurant that does outdoor seating, let me know. In negative 10 degree weather, let me know. So this is going to have a massive ramification on the Anchorage economy. 
It's going to have a massive ramification on families in Anchorage. It's going to have a massive ramification on suicides. It's going to have a massive ramification on abuse. These numbers are not shrinking. They're only increasing. And again, if the cure is worse than the actual disease, we have a problem here. We have a problem. This is absolutely insane. I find it I find it just just what the ripple effect of what's about to happen. I can't even fathom how that's going to play out. But it's all in the name of bringing cases lower. And trust me, this is the guy right here. You the guy talking had covid. It wasn't fun. I'm not saying I just breezed through it like it was a marathon or a short sprint. It took six to eight days to get through it. But we we have to we have to actually look at what's going on with a much clearer picture of how our decisions, how the municipalities' decisions, how the assembly's decisions, and right now, how the acting mayor's decisions are going to affect our community. And that for me is mind blowing that this is going to be coming down the pike. Twenty eight days is a death sentence. It's a death sentence for a lot of these restaurants. They're not coming back. They're not coming back. We had a slew of them close in the summer when we locked down, and it's only going to get worse. So buckle up, people. Buckle up. And I get it. There's a lot of frustration out there because people stood up and talked and gave public testimony. And the bottom line is, and I don't blame you. I don't blame you one bit. The bottom line is this. Why even bother? Why even bother? Because in the end of the day, public testimony is then twisted onto those who testified and pretty much said, listen, you guys don't know what you're talking about. You guys are divisive. You guys are just trying to split people apart. You don't really get it. You don't really get it. It's interesting. I would say a lot of these people do get it. I would say a lot of these people are going to be affected by the decisions the assembly is making. Yet... They are the ones that are rooted in bad intentions. They are the ones that are rooted in divisiveness. The lack of accountability on this assembly is astounding. It's astounding. And yet, they continue on. Above reproach, apparently. So this is where we're at. We're, we're about to head into a 21-day shutdown of restaurants and for a lot of these restaurants, they will never reopen. They will never reopen. And so what does that leave us? A little bit of an economic hole. And it's only getting to get worse. The longer that we continue to meddle in our economy for the sake of what we say is the, the prevention of COVID from spreading, the worst this is going to be long term. I know that's hard to imagine, but it really, really is. It really is. You know, the Assembly has some really interesting things coming out of it. And one of the things that, that happened on Tuesday was uh, a passing of a resolution asking our governor, Mike Dunleavy, to order a statewide mask mandate. That's right. While, while your Assembly is shutting down businesses and creating an economic stranglehold, uh, they're also doing you the favor of asking the governor to order a statewide mask mandate. Now, keep in mind, uh, a lot of 
the lower 48 in a lot of states have required masks uh, statewide. Now, in this resolution that was passed, the only assembly member who voted against it was Jamie Allard. Jamie Allard has been pretty vocal on her ideas and thoughts on what it would be like to have a statewide mask mandate, uh, very much against it. But the resolution essentially says Anchorage's economy is suffering and won't recover until people feel safe patronizing, patronizing, patronizing businesses. I would say that's not true. I would say that's probably not true. And also, the Anchorage economy is going to continue to suffer when you start shutting down businesses. So, I don't know. That's the, you know, that, that, that to me blows my mind. But here we are. So here we are. The Assembly passes a resolution to request that Mike Dunleavy, our governor, orders a statewide mask mandate. Now, keep in mind, there are 13 states currently right now that do not require masks. Number one is Alaska. Then there's Idaho, Wyoming, South Dakota, Nebraska, Oklahoma, Missouri, Tennessee, Mississippi, South Carolina, Georgia, Florida, and my home state, New Hampshire. Was my home state. Still, I love you, Alaska. So there's 13 states that do not have a statewide mask mandate. And now our assembly in the biggest city in Alaska is requesting, begging Mike Dunleavy to do so. This this would be a disaster. This would be a disaster. Listen, Governor Dunleavy has done everything in his power up to requiring a statewide mask mandate to get people to wear their masks. You, you can't do this to people. This is another one of those infringing uh, requests that is going to cause a lot of problems. I mean, you see it right now in California. You see it right now in New York. You see it uh, in other states. It's not just about a statewide mask. It doesn't stop there. The problem that that nobody is uh, on the side of uh, requiring masks does not see is that it doesn't just stop there. Okay? The problem is is that it's not just a, a, hey, wear your mask when you're out. Because what we're seeing in other states is that masks now, the they're being encroached into the home, right? They're starting to be Pennsylvania. Great example. They're requiring people to wear masks inside their home right now. They're requiring people who are visiting so if you invite somebody over to your house, you both agree to meet. They're saying now that you will need to wear a mask. So the idea that just doing a, a blanket, hey, it's a statewide mask mandate, you just got to do it when you're out. We're not asking you to do it when you're home. Well, that's, I mean, it starts out like that. And then if the numbers don't slow down, then you start creeping into to people's personal and private spaces. One of those being the home. Now you got Pennsylvania ordering people that visit other homes on their own volition. They're the ones that are doing it. Now are required to wear masks. Again, I think we're missing the point here. It's not always about the mandate. It's about what the mandate will then lead to next. It really will. California, another great example. They issued a new mask mandate this week. Californians are now required to wear masks outside of their homes. They must wear masks anytime they're around six feet near people. Requires them to wear it while in the diner, 
even when they're chewing food. I mean, we're getting to the point of ridiculousness now. Okay. And they put out this whole thing. Okay. So they got to wear it when they're uh, in their car now or with people in their own household or not in their household in the car as well. So now you're regulated in all these other spaces. It's not just, hey, when you're outside. This is what people are nervous about. This is why people get nervous with statewide mask mandates because it doesn't just stop at the at the general level. Every state will then be at more and more specific if they feel like that the numbers are continuing to rise. California, Pennsylvania are two perfect examples of that. Statewide mask mandates now are closing in on personal spaces. What happens if you don't? What happens if you don't? We've already seen California trying to shut down churches, mosques. I mean, you name it. They're trying to shut it down. So again, it's all about how this is can, can encroach into our personal lives beyond just, hey, you're out in public. Can't you respect other people and them not wanting to get COVID? Sure. I get it. I don't like masks. I get it. Having COVID? Yeah, for sure. I obviously was around somebody who had COVID. I get it. But when you start to mandate mask wearing in private spaces, that's when things get out of control. That's when the public starts to get upset. And that's when things start to really teeter and get away from what we originally, in quotes, meant, which was just if you go outside and you're around people, wear your mask. The problem is, is that this mask mandate hasn't even been equally applied. I mean, Governor Newsom had a fundraising party where he didn't even wear a mask. I mean, there's pictures all over the place. They weren't six feet apart. He's fraternizing with donors. So the idea that that even these mandates are applied evenly is totally not true either. And that's where people are getting pissed too. And I don't blame them. What are we doing? What are we doing? So it's not just about the encroachment into private spaces now. It's also the fact that these mandates aren't even applied equally among those who are who are setting them, and those who need to abide by them. Again, it's not always about the general and the first mandate or the first request to change something. It's what that request then leads to down the road. And that's where things get a little crazy. And I do not blame people for being uh, really apprehensive about relinquishing that ability here in Alaska to not have a statewide mandate. You really need to think about this. I know that everybody in the Anchorage Assembly believes that they are uh, an MD, or at least a lot of them think they are, or at least believe that they understand all the science. And the reality is that they don't. They really don't. I have more credibility than they do. I've got a background in biology and chemistry. I mean, I have way more credibility than they do. But the point is this. I think people are okay. Most people will wear a mask. There are some who won't. Most people wear a mask out in public. It's when you start encroaching into the private spaces that people have a problem with. And that's where a lot of these mandates lead to. Again, we just referenced California and Pennsylvania. Well, I can tell you there is a ton going on and you are not going to want to miss all the action here in Alaska. At Must Read Alaska, we have everything. We are keeping up to date with all our politics, what's going on around the state, and you do not want to miss it at all. Hey, if you haven't had a chance, go to facebook.com slash mustreadalaska. Give us a like. 
head over to youtube.com slash mustreadalaska. Give us a subscribe and hit the notification bell. But really, it's it's our, our supporters, our readers, our listeners that make all the difference here at Must Read Alaska. We want to thank you so much for your support. And if you would like to support us and are not currently, you can head over to mustreadalaska.com. At the top right of the website, there's a support Must Read Alaska. You can donate there. Anything from $100 to whatever the amount you want, but every little bit counts because we are trying to keep the mainstream media on their toes and trying to combat all of the leftists because we know that we want to be on the right side and that's where Must Read Alaska is. So ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining me tonight. I hope you enjoy this. Make sure that you keep yourselves up to date. Again, go to mustreadalaska.com for all incredible content. Listen, the holidays are coming up. We've got great swag on the website. Head to mustreadalaska.com and hit the shop button. We got coffee. We got sweatshirts. We got iPhone cases. We got the works. Every bit helps make sure that we can keep this awesome machine running. So again, thanks for joining me tonight, and I'll see you next week. Take care. Take care.